0: But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, And commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. We have come to the last Sunday of our church here. We are about to start the Jesus story again with the arrival of Advent. And you will remember that two weeks ago, we talked about the way that Jesus is the first link in a chain of faith, hope, and love, and that each of us, each generation, is to add another link to that chain of faith, hope, and love, and that someday we believe that Jesus will return to add the final link to the chain. Beginning and end will meet in eternity, will now be complete, that all things will be as they should be in God. So on this last Sunday of the year, we are reminded that the story is not yet finished. That we have to start the story again to keep that chain going and each link being added on to it. That the end of the story is the story of Jesus returning to complete all things. And we await that day. When we think of the end of the story or the end of times, I want to say that there are really two kinds of scriptural witnesses that are present in the Bible, and the first is that sort of comforting kind of witness that reminds us that every tear shall be wiped from every eye that death and suffering will be no more, that that the lamb and the wolf will lie down together. It's all that imagery of the goodness of God completing everything and everything being as it should be. But there is always this strand of Christian witness as well that uh, is like what we find here today in Mark 13. It's apocalyptic, it's that kind of gloom and doom and scary imagery of the end of times. And it is the kind of imagery that some Christians will always grab onto and say, look, there are the signs, there are the signs. It's the end of times. Beware, be ready. Both of these are part of the Christian story. Both that goodness and that sense of, ah, we don't know what's going to happen. And in fact, the Greek word apocalyptic actually means revelation. It means that which is uncovered. And the word apocalyptic literally has this sense of of the lid being taken off of something. It's like you, you walk into the house and someone has a Pot on the stove, and you're like, hmm, something's cooking. But until you lift up that lid, you don't know if it's if it's uh, uh, pasta sauce, if if it's stew or soup, or you just ruined the rice. You don't you don't know what's in that pot b- until the lid comes off. And that's the idea of these apocalyptic texts. They're pointing us towards something, but we don't really know what that end will be. We don't really know if the, you know, if Jesus is actually going to come surfing down on a cloud or, or I like to think of Slim Pickens in Dr. Strangelove, you know, riding the bomb. Woo! If that's what Jesus' return is going to be. No, the lid is still on. We don't really know what the end will be. But we have these two sides of things. And one of the reasons I think that people often uh, turn to uh, the texts that are more gloom and doom is because, you know, we do live in a world that is filled with a lot of bad stuff. You know, last Sunday we woke up and there were uh, college students in Virginia who'd been killed, and there were college students in Utah who'd been killed. And we wake up this morning and there's been a uh, shooting in Colorado, and more people are dead, and then there's Ukraine, and then there's this and that. And you, you begin to think there's so much bad stuff going on in this world. What are you doing, God? But the lid is on the pot, and something's brewing. You see, I think there are reasons that sometimes we feel like the world is, is worse than it's ever been. I think every generation has said that, right, which is why it's always like, this is the end of times until it's not. First of all, you know, we live in a time unlike any other in history in that all of the bad stuff in the world is filtered into our own home 24-7. We see it immediately. Something bad happens, and here it is. Look at it, everybody. We know this that that our perspective today is so influenced by how much we see in real time. Basically, no time in history has ever been able to do this before. I mean, you know, there was. You, most of you won't even know this. There was a, a an earthquake in Lisbon, Portugal, in seventeen fifty five. Seventeen fifty five. 30,000 people died. That's a huge, terrible thing. But you know what? If you were living in the United States, it would have been two weeks, three weeks, before you get any news about it, and even then you're not getting any pictures. If you've never been in an earthquake, you don't have it really, what was that? Well, it must have been a terrible thing, and you go on with your life. We live in a time when things are so immediate. It seems like everything's really bad. But there's another thing that I think is happening in our day and age. Life is better than it has ever been. Now, we kind of forget that, but for most of human history, and for most people, many people in the world today, they have spent their lives trying to find water. They get up every day. They're trying to find food. They are trying to eke out and ensure their survival and that of their family. You and I, we live in a time where we don't worry about water and food for the most part. We don't worry about a roof on our heads. We don't worry about what happens if we get sick. Well, maybe we do, but we can go to a doctor. We can go to the hospital. The You know, in, in 1755, in an earthquake like that, there was nothing anybody really could do in the midst of that kind of tragedy. And today, what do we do? We mobilize things and we send supplies to these great tragedies. We're able to do things now that we've never been able to do before. And you and I, because we have the luxury of not worrying about our survival day today, we can see and think about these other things happening in the world. If you're trying to find water today, you don't care what happened halfway across the globe. So our perspective is so different because our lives are so much better than any time in human history. It seems in some ways that the suffering of the world is overwhelming. And how we understand God. And the promises of God will say everything about our faith, our hope, our love. Because we can say, people of God, you know, God doesn't care, look how bad the world is. Or we can say, God has sent us Jesus Christ. God has promised us that there will be a completion. God has said to us that that God will have the final word. And it will be a word of life. And we have that choice to either say, forget it all, or to be a part of adding another chain in that link. Link in that chain. (laughs) You know, when you come to this text in Mark chapter 13. It is an apocalyptic text. It's about what's going to happen at the end. And in our passage comes this Greek word, "gregorete," which says, stay awake, stay alert. And it could mean that we're so afraid we're, we're, we're watching the heavens because Jesus is going to return. But here's the thing, you know, I always tell you, you can't just take a verse or two out of scripture and think you're getting the meeting because the scripture too is a chain of different things that come together and we have to be able to see the bigger picture. And if you keep reading into chapter 14 of Mark and you come to the Garden of Gethsemane, there's the word, Gregorate Jesus asks his disciples to stay awake. Jesus asks his disciples to stand with him in his suffering. Jesus says, please, in this hour of need, I need you here with me. And those disciples, they seem to be overwhelmed with the suffering of the world that isn't going the way they want it, and they fall asleep. You see, Jesus asks his disciples, you and I in this day and age, to see where Jesus is in the world with those who suffer, with those who are wrongly accused, with those who are in need of life. And Jesus asks, will you stay awake and alert and be with them when I need you to go them. You see, Jesus isn't really talking about staying awake all night, you know, being afraid all the time. Jesus is saying, are you spiritually open? Are you spiritually prepared that when that person who needs help, when that person who is grieving and needs you to be with them, when that person who needs some food is there in your midst, when that person halfway across the world needs you to contribute so that they can get water and food, will you be spiritually open? Will you be alert? Will you be awake? Will you do what God is asking you to do in a world that is still too filled with suffering and violence? Because in between that first link, which is Jesus, and in between that last link, which is Jesus, we are the links called to be in the world to do what we can to make it a better place and to make the way of Jesus Christ known. You see... God always has the first word. God always has the last word. But in between, God will always say to us, what will you do? How will you respond? Will you stay alert? Will you stay awake so that when I need you, you will go. Stay awake. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.